0: We are talking about um, time today, and so we're going to be in uh, Ecclesiastes 3, verses 1 through 15, but I'm primarily going to just focus on one verse in this section, and I'll come back and hit some of the other sections next week, but the one verse that we're going to be focusing in on is verse 11, and so this is God's word to you uh, this morning. For everything, there is a season... what gain has the worker from all his toil i have seen the business that god has given to the children of man to be busy with he has made everything beautiful or suitable in its time also he has put eternity into man's heart yet so that he cannot un- under he cannot find out what god has done from beginning to the end i perceive that there is nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live also That everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil. This is God's gift to man. I perceive that whatever God does endures forever. Nothing can be added to it, nor anything taken away from it. God has done it so that people fear before him. That which is already has been, and that which is to be already has been. And God seeks what has been driven away. All right, so it's our practice here at Redeemer to spend some moments in silence. And part of what we're doing in that moment of silence is simply asking God to be present with us and that He would make Himself known to us and that we would become aware that He's he's with us right here and right now. One of the uh, bizarre concepts in Scripture is that when uh, a human being becomes aware of God's presence in their midst, that is where life eternal becomes known, okay? And so there's this concept in the Garden of Eden where the, the actual very presence of God is what life is. And so that a human being comes into themselves or comes alive by simply being with God. And so that's what we're practicing in worship. Is that we're trying to become aware that God, God is with us, that He's in our midst, okay? And so we're going to spend some moments in silence and uh, consider that, and then I'll uh, pray for us, and then we'll talk about this passage. Let's pray. Father, these are very large concepts of how we are to think about you given to us in Scripture. uh, You are transcendent. You are beyond this world, and yet you have come into this world in the incarnation, in this life underneath the sun, and you have made yourself intimate and knowable, and so we hold those two tensions right now together. Um, and as we experience uh, your word being being read and preached, and as we experience each image that we sit next to in this room, that you uh, and your presence would come alive to our souls and hearts and minds and bodies, and that we would taste, a little taste of, of what it will be like when uh, the daunting nature of our chronological lives um, ends. We ask this in Christ's name, amen. So... Um, Again, we're, we're starting back in the book of Ecclesiastes, and we're going to be focusing on uh, some, some form of the concept of time over the next three weeks. And particularly, verse 11, I'll read it again, God has put eternity in our hearts, yet so that mankind cannot find out what God has done from beginning to the end. The first eight verses of our passage is talking about what happens in the various seasons of our life, and what I'm going to call chronological time, how we experience time in consecutive sequence, and yet we also have eternity in our hearts. Now, the New Testament picks up this this language and says there are actually two types of time. There's chronos, this is where we get the word chronology from, and then there's kairos, and kairos is focused on events that shape one's life where it feels like time is full in a different way. And that's exactly what Ecclesiastes is talking about. That's where the New Testament gets it, is that kairos time gives us hope in chronos, in how we normally live. Okay? So, look at your first section. In the first section... You have a list of fourteen different things that are both and it's not either or in this life. And we'll get back to this next week in in greater detail. But you have a set of uh, uh, a pair of pairs of seven, and this list is not. Prescriptive, it's what's called descriptive, so it's not telling you to go out and start a war or to pluck things up. It's just simply describing how life is underneath the sun and how things go. And here are some things that um, I myself have said and have heard other people say when we describe chronos time, or we can call it clock time, okay? Um, I feel like I'm running out of time. I wish there were more hours in the day. This day is so long and boring and it's lasting forever. I can't wait till I'm older and I'm out of school or I can't wait till I'm older so that I can retire and do what I want to with my time. I wish I could go back to a time when I was younger. Uh, This is an unprecedented time. This is a disruptive time. This is a peaceful time. This is a hard time. This is an anxious time. This is a healing time and part of the the struggle in this life kohelet says in these first eight verses he's summarizing it is that sometimes it's very difficult to know which season of life or which time you're in again much more on that next week but it's very it's very important it's very important to to be wise about which season of life you are entering and that you're leaving and that you're currently in if you're in a for instance if you're in a season of Uh, being single and young, you're going to have a lot more freedom than if you're in a different season of life. So one of my favorite stories from my previous ministry in Texas, Sarah and I used to live in a one-room house where literally our bedroom was right beside our living room and our kitchen and the bathroom was right there. And we had a couple of students over playing this board game called Settlers of Catan. And they were staying pretty late, a little bit later than we wanted them to stay, and then they kept staying later and later, and then finally Sarah and I were like looking across the table like, are they ever going to leave? And it's like midnight, and then one of these students lo- looks up at us. He's like, hey, um, we're going to run to McDonald's and grab some chicken nuggets, and we'll be right back, okay? Is that, is that cool? And we're just like, no, that's not, <laughs> that is not cool. Like, you need to go and stay, <laughs> stay away. Um, and they they're in a different season of life. you know that's what you do when when you're in college, and that's not what you do when you first get married. And so at least that's not what we did. Um, some of you are in that uh, season of life where you're uh, parents of young children, and that's such a demanding time because uh, when you're in that phase, like the children demand a lot from your from your actual body, from your mental capacity from, from your friendships, it's hard, it's hard. Like when you have a moment of freedom, like you ain't trying to have a, a deep conversation with anybody, your you're trying to go to sleep, because that's what you need. And oftentimes when we're in that season, we can feel guilty that we don't have a robust spiritual life or a robust community life. And what Kohelet would say is that it it's okay. You're you're in a different season of life. And and as you, trans, you know, transition into other seasons of life, thing, things change. And it's hard sometimes to know. It's, it's a struggle to know which season of life that you're in chronologically. Kohelet has also summarized throughout his book that part of the struggle in this world is the illusion of permanence, that we think things will last, especially good seasons, and when they don't, it upsets us. And we can't prolong good seasons longer than they were made to to last underneath the sun, meaning it has a limit, chronology. But the most intriguing uh, struggle we find here in verse 11, where God, and this is where we're going to sort of camp out for the rest of the morning, God has put eternity into our hearts, yet we cannot find out what it means from beginning to end. Now, I'm going to articulate that and then try to explain it. Um, He's put eternal consciousness in our minds and in our hearts, yet he's made us mortal because of sin. So we are bound by temporality. We're bound by the clock, by the drivenness of time that never, ever, ever seems to slow down. And part of the trouble is, with how we make sense of that in our mind is that God is outside of time. He's not bound by the chronology of our time, but it says that he's put that eternal uh, mind within within us, and yet we can't get away from trying to figure it out. We can't understand it from beginning to end. This is actually a, a very deep part of my own conversion. I remember... Grown up in church, and just the thought of eternal life. The thought of eternal life was never, ever a comfort to me, ever. Um, And I want to be extra sensitive right here, Um, whether you're a child or an adult. uh, If the thought of eternal life is really terrifying to you, come talk to me. I would love to talk to you about that. But part of the reason that eternal life doesn't make sense to our minds initially is that the, in, the, in the original design of a human being, we were never meant to have this sort of angst that we were going to end. That we, we were never meant to maybe even have the conscious awareness that things end and, and that they begin. Uh, we were always with God. And therefore, the concept or the thought of things having an end wasn't in our conscious awareness. And I know this is very, very difficult to understand because everybody dies in this life under the sun. But in the original design of a human being, we were never meant to die. Our bodies and souls were never meant to be separated. And so that causes this sort of like existential angst of like, I don't, I don't know how to make sense of my beginning and my end, and that's what Kohelet is speaking into. And I think part of what happens at conversion is that human consciousness becomes settled in its its limited self. Meaning, this is what that means, we become okay with not understanding everything. We become less frantic about trying to figure things out. And I think that that's part of how God's Spirit works. He makes you settled in being a creature. And one of the beautiful things about God is that you can't control that happening in your life. It is a gift to be released from the terror of time. And one of the best descriptions of this that Jesus himself says, he said, it's like it's like being born again, or the literal translation of that is being born from above, which is straight from the book of Ecclesiastes when he's talking to Nicodemus. This is what Jesus Christ showed us, that he was the one that brought this transcendent realm into our present. And when we are baptized into him, it's not like, okay, we have all things figured out all of a sudden. It's rather like a child learning to breathe oxygen for the very first time. It's almost like a child that was never meant to always stay in the womb. Now, here's the point here's the point um, you were made for eternity. You were made not just to last forever, but to have a quality of life that is so full and so meaningful that you won't ever be able to get over it. It'll feel like everything has clicked in its place and won't ever come out of place. The quality of what the scriptures call eternal life is characterized by this term kairos. That's what's in all of our hearts, whether we're a Christian or not, whether we're believers or not. There's this thing in us that always grasps for it, that always wants it, that's always longing for it. And you can hear it if you just listen, if you just listen to your culture, if you listen to the deep currents in your own heart. We want it in almost everything. Have you know, have you noticed what um, Patrick Mahomes has been saying, like right after he wins uh, another Super Bowl? What does he say? We're not done yet. You know, the, the multiple rings on his hand are not satisfactory. He, want, he wants another one. It's the same with Tom Brady, you know. Uh, last year's Justin Timberlake will be this year's Bieber, and, there, and there's going to be somebody else, you know. Um, the the never-ending, always wanting more and more and more and more, and that, that's in our hearts as well. And Kohelet would say, in that, in that longing is that we're actually wanting something of eternity in, in the temporary moment. And you can, you can actually get eternity in this moment, but not by your effort. It comes as a gift. Jesus says it's like the wind. Like you see its effects and you feel it. But you cannot control it. You can't manipulate it. You can't force it to come. Um, Troy, Troy Power, uh, his daughter Ashlyn was just married this past, and Vicki. Um, uh, she was just married this past December, late December. And there was a moment in that wedding where the doors flung open and Troy was walking her down the aisle, and it was almost like, it was almost like you could feel it, it's almost like time stopped. And Troy was overcome by emotion, we all sort of were, and it, it was a, a, a momentous feeling. I was asking Troy, I was like, well, what came over you in that moment? He's like, I was looking at all these people's faces and all these people that walked with Ashlyn and us, and us throughout our life. That, that's, I think, part of what the scriptures call kairos. It's a moment encapsulated in an event that feels full and pregnant of, of meaning that is unlike other chronological moments. And I think part of what's going on there, and I really do believe this, is that we have become aware that God's with us in that moment. That in essence, we've stepped into the holy of holies. It's what the fear of the Lord, part of what that means, that when you become aware of God's presence, you come into a realm that's not bound by time. That's why it feels heavy in a good way. And here's, here's what's happening. We're coming into the awareness that God is, you know, God is always up to date. Like he's always Contemporary. God does not biodegrade. God will always be relevant in each culture and in every age because he's outside of time. He's not bound by Kronos. When I was in in Greece, I saw this painting of Jesus. He was at Mary's deathbed, his mother. And at at her deathbed, he was holding her in utero. To show that he was Lord over her existence and over all of our existences. This is why we started off the service with Psalm 139. And just listen to this again. Think about this again. Think about it for yourself. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret. Intricately woven in the depths of the earth. This is who you are. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book are written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there were none of them. When Jesus came into this world, what, what he was doing was he was subjecting himself to the futility of Kronos. And he was allowing us the pathway back into God's presence, back into the Kairos. Kairos. And in that dimension, you guys, that's the dimension of existence that is not controlled by the gravitational pull of sin and loss and decay and running out of time. And if you go back and read, if you go back and read the Gospels, places like Mark 5 and John 2 and John 11, and watch how Jesus interacts with people who feel like they're running out of time. Watch how he interacts with people who are frantic and anxious about not doing and being there in time. He lets people die. He lets people die so that he can show us his glory, the stuff that lasts, so that we could believe in him. And if you, just, if you put yourself in their shoes, you know, Jairus' daughter, Martha at Lazarus' tomb, I'm sitting there thinking, Jesus, you're being negligent. You're not showing up. And Jesus says, look and see. Watch. Watch what I can do. Now, because we're like way up in the stratosphere above Saturn right now, let's try to make this practical, okay? Um, I hope next week is, is going to be a little bit more on the ground. But here's, here's a couple ways that this becomes very practical Let's say you're having a hard time with your child right now. You're a young parent. I know, like, you know, thinking about parenthood. Um, but you're in a season right now of tearing down and uprooting, and it's, and it's painful and sad. Now, how do you process that? Let's say, let's say you just stop for a moment and you consider that God holds your child at the moment of their conception and the moment of death. In addition to that, he holds you, too, in that same way. And just stopping to realize that can help you relinquish, slowly relinquish the fact that, like, I don't actually know all that's going on here. When we, when we interact with each other with eternity in mind it changes the nature in which we relate it changes the nature of of how we speak to one another and we realize there's actually there's actually way more at stake than i ever imagined here and i have very little control over it and so you pray more and you have to trust god um, I, this is one of the things that it does. It makes you very attentive, but patient. It makes you very caring, but not like helicoptery. Another way that this can make sense let's say you are single, or you're in a career that you feel like you're running out of time to either. Find someone if you're single or you're running out of time to advance in your field of expertise. Transcendent time, Kairos time says all time has the potential to be exactly what I want it to be because God has made himself accessible in this exact moment. And you're like, I don't even know. I don't even know what that means. Um, You're like, I just want I just don't want to be alone at night or I just want a raise, you know. Uh, you guys remember that Shania Twain song, You Don't Impress Me Much, where she says, You know, I think, I think you're all right, but that won't keep me warm in the middle of the night. Um, one of the things that you, you come across in pastoral ministry is that so often people don't actually be, want to be where they are. And that's oftentimes how we think about God. It's like, yeah, I like like the idea of God, I like the thought of God, but I mean, He he ain't going to keep me warm in the middle of the night. It makes no tangible difference to my existence. And that's when God, and you see it here in Kohelet, that's when God allows you to take the driver's seat of your life. This is what Kohelet has been testing throughout his memoir here that he's written, that he He, out of all the people in the world, got life exactly like he wanted it. And in the end, it was very, very disappointing. And that's what Kronos is. It always ends in disappointment. And God will often start with something that seems disappointing to you, and he asks you to trust him, and he's not a very good marketer of himself. I don't know if you've ever noticed that about God. And the reason why is because he wants you to come to him for his own sake, not just because he's going to make your pain less. He wants intimacy with you. He wants to be with you. And if you're like, well, I don't have any evidence of, of trusting him, well, start, start here. Has anything, has anything in your life actually given you true contentment? Like over the long haul. Has anything in your life has it actually given you that sort of fullness of the void that we feel of it eternity of rest? And this is what Paul, this is what Paul says in Acts 17, 27. He's talking to a group of people who don't have any awareness of Christianity. And he said, per- Perhaps God has allotted each particular time and season in your life. So that you would grope your way towards him and find him, and to know that he's actually not very far from each one of you, as your own poets say, is what he says. Now, um, as we as we close here, uh, what I want to challenge us all with is that what what if that's true? Like, what if what if God is is here and it is His gift to make us aware of that. It's the gift of His Spirit. And one of the ways that we get in touch with that is that we stop striving and being driven by Kronos. Most of us are driven uh, all the time against the, the limitations of time. And part of what God is wanting you to do is like just... Just stop and, and open up your eyes to what's around you right now. Like be okay with where you are. Um, there's a, a, a friend of mine here in this church. He said that he was fly fishing in Colorado, and he was casting and casting and casting. He was not catching anything at all. And he was tiring himself out and getting frustrated. and so he finally he finally just sat down in the river and just sort of paused and he sat there and was waiting and then he noticed um, these particular flies that were landing on the river and he had a fly that looked like that and so he put that on his on his line and he cast it you you guys you guys know what happened i mean for the first cast he caught the fish and part of what part of what worship is about part of what sabbath is about is that those who believe in the gospel start their lives out from rest. That's how that's how we start. That God has given us the freedom to like not be driven so much, and to just pause, and to pay attention to your surroundings, and perhaps uh, when you do that, you will recognize that God is in your midst. This is the, when the, the gospel was first announced from the lips of Jesus in the gospel of Mark. This is what he says. This is Mark uh, 1 verses 14 and 15. He says, the time, this is Kairos, the, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. It's in your midst. And then he says, turn to me, turn to me. Believe in me. Um, that's the role of the church in each moment in human history, that the kingdom of God is at hand, and that we are to turn to repent and to believe in Him and you. And so that's what we're going to do as we confess in and come to this table. So let me pray. Father, we thank you that you are the eternal one, that you are the ageless one, the Alpha and the Omega, Yahweh the great I am. And so, Lord, help us to know that our, our very being is so attached um, to you and that when we come back to you, uh, we can have rest, we can have contentment, we can exhale. And so, Lord, repentance gets, at that point, repentance gets to be a joy, to gift, to say we've been, we've been driven by all the wrong things and now we're ready to come back to you and rest. And so would you allow us to do that right now? In Christ's name, amen.